Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's, uh, I guess, Wednesday, and after midday, actually it's later than that, but anyhow, uh, I want to do the Parsha of the Week, which is Mitzorah, plus this week, as we all know, Shabbos HaGadol, there's some interesting connections, it strikes me, and I'll get right down to it. I want to thank our sponsor today, is uh, Rabbi Shom Epstein, who is nice enough to say he's sponsoring in honor of the podcast, even though he's a listener. Uh, I wish every person who listened would do that, and um, I thank him very much. Now, without any further ado, we're looking, of course, the Parsha Mitzorah. Usually it comes out to Azriya Mitzorah, but not always, of course. And this week, the primary emphasis, certainly in the first half, is on the purification ritual. And as you know, even if you don't go into nitty-gritty, the purification ritual for the Mitzorahs is very elaborate and very complex. Unlike the Tumah thing, the Tumah you can get right away. Well, you need a week or whatever, but you, it, it, you, you can slide into that very easily. Uh, Masha Enkain, the getting out of it is not so push it. And the muster hostile there, obviously, is it's easy getting stuff, it's hard to get out of it, especially bad stuff. It's easy becoming an alcoholic, it's hard to get out of it. It's easy getting the drugs, it's hard to get out of it. It's easy getting any kind of bad situation, it's hard to get out of it. And Lush and Hard, too, by the way. It's easy to get into Lush and Hard. Boy, is that easy. And it ain't so easy to get out of it once you're hooked. <laughs> it requires a whole business. So this is like a happy hunting ground for the Musarists, you know, Bali Musar. <clears throat> but consider this well. Um, what does the guy have to do to get out of it? In other words, to be ready to go back in society and even go back in the base of Mekdash. Behuva la coin has to be brought to the coin. <clears throat> so let's check this out. I don't know if I mentioned this last week or not, but um, I think we're sensitized to this. When you and I read uh, Tazriya and Mitzorah, uh, now, in the year 2022, after Corona, I think it means a lot more to us. And the reason I say it is because when it says, that the punishment of the Mitzorah is if it reaches the full crescendo, then he's uh, forced out of town, as you know. He's got to live by himself. Now, the reason I say it is because we all went through this two years ago. Mamish around this time, at the beginning of the COVID, the corona. Remember two years ago in Pesach, you had to be by yourself, you couldn't invite guests, and so forth and so on. And even though I live in Baltimore and you live somewhere else, but a lot of this was everywhere. Uh, it just lasted longer in Baltimore, the adherence to the rules. But at the beginning, it was very uh, common everywhere. And the point is, because it was a big health scare, you remember, we were all scared. And the point is that um, people found themselves isolated in Baltimore and many other places. They closed down the shoals, remember that? And by us, here in Baltimore, and in other places as well, we're not allowed to have a minion. That's how scary they thought the, the, the epidemic was. It was only after pace, after weeks, that they came back slowly but surely to say, okay, now you can have a minion outside, remember the outside minion, and then little by little, after a while of that, back inside with the with the distancing and all that junk. So the point is, 
there was a tkufa when everybody was like, Bodod Yeshev, Now, people lived off of Zoom. Agreed? Or off of your cell phone, you know, your iPhone. You had human contact that way. L'chol HaPachas, they had a regular telephone, you know, like you talk to people. In my shul, which is not a big shul, we were on every night. And a lot of rabbis, a lot of shuls are like that. And if you recall, Rabbi David Kohn in New York said, I remember it was on the Yeshiva World or something like that. He said, call your counselor on Shabbos. Those of you who have, you know, a loneliness issues, drug issues, this you got to talk to your therapist, suicide, whatever. Call on Shabbos. David Kohn. And that's because it had such an effect on people to be alone. You understand? So that's when you even have TV and Zoom and Internet and all the other stuff. Now take yourself back two, 3,000 years ago when there was none of that stuff. And imagine a guy said, Lashonara, I'm, I'm going for convenience sake, I'm going to go with the idea of Lashonara. Last time I told you it's more complicated than that, but to act with that for now, let's just go push up shot with Lashonara for the purposes of today's an- analysis. So you, you say Lashonara and you don't stop or whatever. Then you end up being uh, forced out of town, you know, isolated. But this is thousands of years ago. <clears throat> so first of all, you don't have any way of contacting anybody else. There's no telephones and stuff. That's number one. Number two, how the heck do you make a living? How do you survive? As far as I can figure out, if somebody was convicted and sent by the coin in the Tibor, to live by themselves, they're away from civilization, that means that goody-goody groups, chesed groups, had to come and bring them food. Or maybe his own family. You understand? I'm getting down and dirty. Suppose a person was a Lashon Har and he got the Tzaras, he or she, and now they're living so-and-so far out of town. Right? They're not near anybody. So what's the story with breakfast, lunch, and supper? Besides the loneliness, okay, that's a separate problem. As I say, it's a big problem, as we ourselves experience. I tell you, I remember, I was every night doing a Zoom with the whole show, and the people really wanted it, and they thanked me. And then after that, that was at 7, and then at 9, I had a separate Zoom with a bunch of guys who I happened to know, and, you know, some of them were, again, real lonely and that sort of thing, and they really needed it, because they used to send me pathetic emails saying, thank you so much, and blah, blah, blah. You know, people need that human contact. And that's people who already have the internet and can listen to talk radio and all the other junk. So notice, it's not like they were mamish alone, you know, silent. But go back to the time of the Chumash, he had none of that. And so, Badad Yeshev, and there he is all day long. It's like being in jail. And your family has to bring you breakfast, lunch, and supper. If not the family, then like I said before, the, the Satmar ladies or something like that. You know what I mean? It has to be really a, 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 a Chesed society. I mean, that's a real Chesed society. They bring the food to the Taras people. Remember Ari Levin, the Tzaddik Yerushalayim was a chaplain by the, by the leper colony, they said. That's a real Tzaddik. So, in the old days, who goes and cooks and this and that and the other and brings food for Shabbos, for Chol, for a person with the Taras? I mean, you know, I mean that's a Tzaddik. That's a Tzaddikus. Okay? If you tell me your Bubby's Bubby's Bubby, whatever, was one of those people long ago did that, that's a Tzaddikus. Uh, because I tell you right now, I wouldn't be <laughs> one of them. I doubt it. So it's tough. Now, those Tia Torres and Yom Tarazo.
And now he wants to get out of it, but it's not so easy. Now, assuming, I mean, let's put it this way. The whole story with Parshish Mitzora assumes that the skin disease went away, the leprosy went away, the Tsaras, whatever you want to call it. I'm not saying Tsaras is identical with leprosy, but it has the same symptoms, it seems. Whatever it is. So, let's say it went away. So now your skin is smooth, etc., etc. So you would think, okay, it's past. No, that's the beginning. You don't even start until, first of all, you have the dermatology situation underhand. And then, Vahuvel coin. He's brought to the coin. And it doesn't mean he's brought to the coin because he stays outside the camp, obviously, right? But the case is brought to the coin. Get the RE cap and he'll give you a good uh, uh, translation to it. Because the guy's not brought to the, to the coin. And the coin, who's the authorized person, as we know in the, in the Torah, he makes the diagnosis. The skin is back to normal. Okay? So in other words, you don't. They wouldn't even bother to schlep out a coin if the guy sees he's still got this stuff on his forehead or wherever it is, right? What's the point? So first, 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 before anything else, the guy has to say, "Wow, it all went away." That's only the beginning. Once the coin sees that, then the coin says, "Now you need a purification ceremony." I'll just read in English. The coin goes orders for that person. Uh, there should be two kosher birds, two live kosher birds, right? And uh, some crimson wool, right? Shnitolas, uh, and uh, a piece of cedar, and a hyssop branch for Azov. This is very interesting. The Azov apparently appears from time to time in the Chumash, and assume it's a kind of a bush of some sort. I, that's not the right word to use, but it's like a plant that grows in the ground. You can hold a bunch of them together. And it's going to be smeared. The first thing you do now that you now that you have your kit, you have to have a, a tzaras purification kit, and the kit consists of the two birds, uh, a, a, a bowl of water, as we'll see in a second, a piece of cedar wood, uh, some crimson wool, and a hyssop branch. <laughs> Sounds almost like a cartoon. Okay, now wait a minute, wait a second. Um, you know, a long piece of wood actually. And then what do you do? You you shecht the bird. Okay? Uh, the, you, the one bird is shechted over fresh spring water in a clay bowl. <clears throat> so in other words, you, you, you make it that the blood pours out from the shechted bird into a bowl that has water in it already. And then from that business, the water t- together with the blood, he then takes the live bird together with the piece of cedar crimson wool and the hyssop. And along with the live bird, he dips the other article is the spring water uh, uh, mixed with the blood of the slaughtered bird. So in other words, you, the, the live bird and the other materials are dipped into the bloody water, the blood, whatever. And then he's going to sprinkle. Okay? He sprinkles from this mixture seven times on the person, right? And uh, that's supposed to make him tohar, although not totally, not for the base of Mignish and everything like that, but he's on the way there. He's on the way. And the person then immerses his clothes and shaves off all his hair, which is an interesting ritual. Uh, if I remember, I'll talk about it later. And then he immerses in a mikvah and completes the first part of the purification process. And then, only then, you have to remain outside the tent for seven days. In other words, it ain't over yet. You understand? It's part of a long business. Now, I'll, I'll finish the, rit- the purification ritual here. On the seventh day, so consider this. 
the guy was for however long in the in, in his house by himself. Then he sees the, the skin got better. Then he calls the coin out there. And then the coin ascertains, yes, the skin is better, so, it's, so the tzaras went away. But you're still a tzarua, and you have to go to this sprinkling business with the bloody water and all the rest of it. And then you wait a week. And the seventh day, you shave off all the hair. Well, you just shaved the hair. So whatever groove in the middle. So it's it's part of the idea of shaving all your hair off the body is a kind of a killing of a person. You get what I'm saying? Of course, not really killing, but you're getting rid of the old person. I mean, you can't you, you can't cut off his skin, right? I mean, you can't you know rip off his his face. So the hair you can cut off. Right? So you shave off the hair. His head, ear, eyebrows, and other body hair must be shaved off, and then he immerses again in the mikvah with the hair. No, he's not not completely. It says with the hair only that part. Then Shmini. So after the first ceremony, you waited a week. Then you did this stuff, and then on the eighth day, Ikach Shnei Kvasim, and then he does Karbonus. He takes two uh, uh, unble un unblemished uh, sheep, male sheep, okay, and v'kavsa uh, achas and a female sheep. So it costs a lot of money. You're talking money over here. And, you, and then the coin stands in a certain place by the old moid. Later on the base of Mishnah, you may possibly remember from the Mishnah that there was a special arch under which the um, the Tzoraim. The, the Get the Yovilan book, and you'll see it all in there. Um, because then, then he does, the coin does the, the Carbonus. Specifically, uh, so he takes one of the male sheep and offers the carbon Osham, and Loga Shaman, and he weighs the meat. See how, look how complicated this is. And then, and, and make sure he shacks it in the right place, and so on and so forth. Then he takes from the dam of the Osham. We already had sprinkling of the blood from the bird, but this is another stage. Then he takes the dam from the from the sheep, from the carbon Osham. And then the coin dabs it, you might say, right? Uh, on the right earlobe, the right thumb, and the right big toe. Hmm. That's strange, okay? Uh, now, you can imagine Gerson of these, all these guys read a lot of you know, uh, symbolism and all this, but I don't have the time to do that. But you can if you want this week to look at the Parsha. Anyhow, and then he does it again. Then he does left hand. And then, then he dips his thing in the finger in the oil because he told the guy to bring a whole log full of oil. A log is four revias, so you know, that's a fair amount. And we ain't finished yet. And he and he sprinkles it seven times the the oil, and then yes, Hashem, and then he does with the oil. He does just the same thing he did with the blood on the right earlobe and the right toe and so forth. Okay, and then he pours whatever's left in the oil. Al so he smears it on top of his head of the of the pure, God becoming pure. Okay, and then he shakes the carbon chatos, and then the carbon ola. And I mean, basically, and then the guy's finished, right? Whoa, whoa! I told you, it's easy to become a tzara. It ain't easy to get out of it. <laughs> it ain't easy to get out of it. It's easy, like I say, to do a sin. It ain't easy to get out of it. Not if you want to be really pure. In this case, the guy wants to be able to go back and base some English. So the stuff we're talking about is that. Incidentally, they, there's a means testing. Vim dal huvin yom 
They talk about what do you do if you're poor, you can't afford all that kind of stuff. You do a a, 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 a cheaper version of what I just said, but it's basically the same thing. It's very similar. So you see that the idea of being matahir from the saras ain't simple, so learn from that. It's supposed to be object lesson, obviously. And you say, you know, you won't have to go through all this stuff. It's like telling somebody, you know, you got the rabies, don't worry, there's shots. Yeah, but you got to get 25 shots in the stomach or whatever it is they give you. It's not push it, you see? And therefore, they're warning you off. That's the, the, the theory. It seems that's the simplest and easiest theory for me to understand. Now, notice the reference to the hyssop, to azov. Uh, I use the word hyssop because that's what azov, in English, you call it hyssop. If you look in the Ibn Ezra and stuff like that, they talk about oregano. Isn't that interesting? Oregano. I don't know if they mean our oregano. There's oregano in the Middle East. Zatar. These are all these kind of fancy schmancy. The Iranians use this stuff in their, in their cooking, I believe. Right? I haven't been an Iranian cook for a while, but, you know, I think that's what they do. And, uh, you know, it's got this fragrant stuff. It's easy to make... Is, it, the way to understand it, as I understand it, is it's a cheap, easy uh, a plant that you just pull out and use to dab stuff. Because that's what we're using. Use it to sprinkle with or dab it and on on the mitzvah, the mitzvah in this case. If you can't afford to go to an arts and craft store and buy stuff like with the canvas and the colors, all the rest of it, and whatever it takes to dab it, a brush, in the ancient world, you could take just a bunch of plants like the, the a clump of the azov and can apply it there. Rashi, following the Chazal and the others, always point to the fact that the azov is very little. It's a low-growing uh, grass. And that's the opposite of gaiva. That's what Rashi says. And the the meaning over there, in other words, the obvious meaning is the person tells Lashon Har and that kind of stuff is a Bulgaiva. Because if I really, you know, uh, knew who I was and respected you, I wouldn't. Uh, uh, let's put it this way: I don't believe that that would totally get away with get rid of all the Avodah but it would get rid of a lot of it. Most of the people you say Lashon about are people you hold in lower esteem, maybe even contempt. Not always, you know, it's it's not always the case, and that is true, but it is often the case. So you could, we could all do pretty well if we cut our lush and hard in 50%. I think, I think we'd be doing pretty good. Cut the lush and hard in 50%, right? So, uh, at least that much. But I'll tell you what, what rung a bell with me. I'm thinking about this today, and we had a class this morning with the, in my show, the ladies' class. Where else do you come across the hyssop? And the answer is Shabbos Agadol. Mama Shabbos Agadol this week. It's an interesting that it happens to come out Parsha Mitzvah. What do you mean? So if you look at Shabbos Agadol, you see something very interesting. We had last week Parsha Chodesh, and of course in Parsha Chodesh, from Rosh Chodesh Nisan, Hashem tells Moshe, Hachodesh is Rosh Chodeshim, and get ready for Passover, right? Dabro Kaldas Yisraeli Mor Beasar Lachodesh Azeh. So on the 10th of the month, which is the original Shabbos Agadol, happened to be a Saturday, that was the 10th of Nisan. So on the original Shabbos Agadol, everybody should take a say, as we all know the story, and 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 what do you call it, and keep it for four days until Pesach, and then shechted. We just read this last week. Listen very closely. This Hashem talking to Moshe. So, how would you translate that? They must take the blood 
and place it on the doorpost and the beam and so forth. How do you do that? Do you scoop it up with your finger? Do you sum it? It doesn't say. In other words, dealer's choice. That's how it'll work. Okay, I have no trouble with that. But, subsequently, right? Subsequently, Moshe Abenu, uh tells the story and he says, um, In other words, he's supposed to communicate what Hashem just told him. You and I, the reader, know, or at least at least we flatter ourselves that we know, what Hashem told him. Hashem told him, etc. But Moshe does not use those words. We find this very often in the Chumash. I've, I've called attention to it from time to time. Um, like in the end, it's Kaddish Lee, Kabachar, same thing. Hashem says, tell him this, or it says this, and Moshe says it over in his own words. So Moshe, this week's parasha, I mean in uh, in Shabbos HaGadol, says, Go get a carbon Pesach and prepare to shecht it. But he doesn't say, Instead, Moshe says, a much more detailed um, uh, directions, right? Don't say v'lochum and adam and dab it any way you want, but Moshe gives exact instructions. Take a bunch of hyssop or oregano if you feel the better with that. Dip it into the blood that will be placed in a basin. So it's assumed. It's assumed you're going to shech the, the lamb or the goat. The carbon pesach, you're going to catch the blood in a dish of some sort, in a saf. Then you're going to take a hyssop. So, six hundred thousand Jews or whatever had to go and get a lot of hyssop plants, a lot of oregano out there. Um, and then dunk the hyssop as a kind of primitive brush. Get it? It's a natural brush. You don't have to buy it in an arts and crafts store. It just grows. So, Tavaltem, Badama Shevasov, take this and dip it into the, the hyssop and, 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 and dip it into the blood. Vigatem Alamashko Shem Zuzos, interesting expression. And Vigatem Elamashkov, you know, take Bimagit, those convey the bloody hyssop to the Mashkov and the Mazuzos, Mina Dama Shevasov. We got to make contact between the blood and the in the bowl and 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 the mashkov and the shemuzus, the lintel and, and and the doorpost, etc. 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 So no, for whatever reason, Moshe Rabbeinu makes a for whatever reason Moshe Rabbeinu makes a a central tenet, mamish the core ceremony of Passover is the story of the blood and the doors. That's what caused the angel to skip her house. That's what we call Passover. Pesach Hashem ala Pesach. Right? Pesach zu al Shema, you know? Pesach Hashem Pesach. So, the way it's done, Hashem said, just do it any way you want. Lakachta madam Hashem itself. Moshe used the Ezo, a hyssop. Obviously, there's something epis with the hyssop. You understand? Now, by the way, I'm looking at Ari Kaplan over here. And, you know, when these realia, he's going to go wild, which is good. He says the hyssop, that's according to many authorities, 
Azov, this a, f- a form of wild Middle Eastern marjoram, whatever it is, a low plant, a f- little over a foot high with blue blossoms. You can Google it. You can see it. I, I did that. The mission says low woody parts. Although it grew wild, it was also cultivated as a spice. It's aromatic with deodorizing properties. Uh, some authorities say it's a, it's a thyme or oregano. I saw that the, uh, I, I just happen to look right now. The Menezra over there by, by Higata Malamashko says it's oregano. Or at least he quotes Sadigon saying it's oregano or zatar. Now, whatever it is, I'm not here to give a, a, a cooking lesson from 3,000 years ago. The point is there's something basic about the Azov um, that should be applied, uh, you know, for, for the, at the court of carbon paste. Otherwise, in motion, why do motion say like this? If you feel better, just take the bowl and do- toss it. You know what I mean? Like, let's say I was lazy. So I pick up the bowl with the blood. I go over to one doorpost. I give it a little, you know, shake. And some blood goes on there. I give it another little shake. And then another little shake. And I do a stay as Alamashko. Or I can get a painter's brush. Or this and that and the other. No, it's got to be Azov. You see? Azov. So this becomes associated with some kind of spiritual transformation. In this case, in our parsha, you're, you're, you're transforming the Mitzvah. In the original Karm Pesach, you're transforming the Jews from, you know, Avodim to Freeman or something like that, or breaking the hold of of the Egyptian gods. There's a great, uh, who is it? Is it Bechor Shor or somebody? No, it's Ralbag. <laughs> yeah. Who's <laughs> always super rationalist. This is actually very cool. The Ralbag says, why do you sprinkle the blood from a hyssop? You're dissing the god of Egypt. Because the sheep is the god of Egypt. And you're you're denigrating their god. Um, because it's done with a very lowly uh, plant. And, you know, I don't even give the, your, the blood of your god the dignity of making a hush of a brush or something like that. Just a stupid little hyssop. Or it's the antithesis of Gaiva. Now, I leave it to you as a junior, you know, sermonizer to make the connection why Moshe Ben is, is worried about Gaiva. Hashem never said, do the hyssop. But Moshe did. Uh, at least as far as we know. And where else do you find the Azov? Uh, the answer is Pardumel. Remember that? Uh, you, the hyssop is one of the things in Parshish Chukas you burn together with the uh, the ashes of the, of the Pardumel. Look it up in Parshish Chukas. So you got three places that I can think of. You got your Mitzorah in this week's Parsha. You got your, where the hyssop is used, you know, to sprinkle blood on the guy, dab it. You got the hyssop used on Shabbos Agoro. And you got the hyssop used as um Parduma ritual. Mind you, I'm saying this on the Wednesday before Shabbos Agoro. In other words, 10 days or so, approximately, before, before the Seder. So if we were living 2,000 years ago, and I wasn't stupid, uh, I would make it my business, with my family, I suppose, to get to Yerushalayim, if I was one of the pilgrims, around now. Don't come there, Pesach, because you won't be able to do the Karm Pesach. You'll be Tommy. This is assuming that most people are Tommy in various ways, including Tommy Mace. What if I was the head of the Hebrew Kaddish in my little village? I'm doing a big mitzvah by being head of Hebrew Kaddish, but I'm Tommy. Tuma does not mean you did something wrong. We use that term nowadays, oh, this is, America's full of Tuma, you know, that kind of language, to indicate something is repulsive. Uh, Tuma's a state. 
if the tzaras is really from Losh Hara, then ain't chanami. It's it's repulsive because it represents a bad behavior. But we have Nita in this week's parsha. She didn't do nothing wrong with that. You have Sheikh Vazera, that's part of married life. And he didn't do nothing wrong with that. You know, it doesn't mean that something is Tomei, that all of a sudden, you know, they did something wrong. I'll, I'll repeat what I said. A Hevra Kadisha is a gigantic mitzvah. As a matter of fact, many are familiar with the famous story, HaHolich Lishchot is Pischal, Umotzah is, what is it, Meis Mitzvah. So you go for the Meis Mitzvah and you skip the Karmen Pesach. Right? You know, things like that. So it's it's proper to show covered for the mace, but it results in the tumma. See, it results in the tumma. So if somebody was coming to do the carbon pesach, they'd have to make sure to get in time at least a week so that they could undergo the, car, the Parduma ceremony. Yerushalayim must have been crazy in Nisan back in the day because you have a zillion people coming to carbon pesach and they're bringing a zillion animals and I don't know where they're all sleeping and anybody... <laughs> It's it's like Orlando. Anybody who who had a a house or a condo, uh, jack up the price for a Nissan, and you know what I mean, going to sell every square inch of uh, <laughs> of bed bed space. <laughs> but that's how it went. And one of the things you have to do is there must have been crazy lines all day long for part of Duma. Prior to pay, you know, you need seven days, the third day and seventh day. A piece of that is the hyssop, the azov. It says three places. You got it in your. Mitzora, uh, uh, today's uh, reading, this week's Sedra. Uh, uh, you got in Shabbos Agol, you got in Parduma. Where else do you have the Hyssop? Again, it's very interesting. In Psalm 51, Be'ezov uh, Etoher, isn't that the language over there? When King David gets caught with Batsheva. Kashaboylov, Batsheva. So, uh, you know. He says, purge me, clean me, this, that, and the other. Here, let me, one second. Here it is, Kapitel Nunalf. The Dovid Melch got caught with Basheva, and now he's begging for forgiveness. And first he says, Chonene Rasa, Karov Rachman Mechab Shoah, he used the language of Mechia erasing. Kapsein Mavoni, that's the language of um, laundry. And then, a little bit later, he says, so he doesn't use the word techabseni. It's in other words, the hyssop is not part of a of a laundry process. Techateni, which means desin me, unsin me. Beezov. So it's as if David is saying, "I got leprosy," and you know, uh, make it go away. And by the way, there is a chazal that he did get leprosy for Bathsheba. I don't know if they learn it from here. I don't believe so because it's, I take this figuratively. I think that's how everybody does. But what it means is that David Melch, appropriate so, realizes that sin is so bad, he's like Lady Macbeth, out damn spot, out damn sin, tekhata'eni be'ezov. So he feels himself like uh, like Parsha's uh, Mitzorah. You see? Because of the that he did. So you see, the Azov is used, you know, so much. Now, I'll conclude... With a vort, I don't usually like to do vorts, but I know some people like it. Especially some people want stuff that's magitable, as I was told by somebody. Use for magit. So I just bought the other day the Sternbuch uh, new Haggadah with the Nakudos, you know, from Sternbuch, and he's actually <laughs> good in some in some ways, and uh, he has a lot of vorts, as it were. 
And here's one you can use if you are nicey, nicey, goody tissues. Because Moshe Rabbeinu says, Instead of saying simply take the blood for Shabbos Agoro and, and, and apply it to the door however you wish, dealer's choice, instead, he said a specific way, take an Agudas Azov, which he doesn't say, in other words, it, what I said was not exactly correct. He didn't say take a hyssop. He said take a bunch of hyssop. Agudas Azov, an Aguda of Azov. So it's like three or four Rashi says, whatever the number is. Five, whatever. You know, no, let's take a bunch of them so that if you take them together, then jointly they constitute like a brush. Get it? You know what I mean? Because they're like thin uh, plants that grow. So if you take a bunch of them, like a clump, and a good is a clump. But the word aguda sounds like aguda, you know, that we're mugad, we're joined together. In other words, achtas. And this would be a nice word if you'd like to do that at your seder, if you have a goody goody seder. And it says, that if you want the geula to come, at least, you know, without World War Three, then you need the achtas. It's achas. And that's, but, but, but how do you get a good achas? You have to have humility. Agudas Azov. You can have an Agud if everybody feels he's an Azov. Everybody, everybody feels I'm a low, non gaivitika plant. I'm just a regular person. If I feel the way, you feel the way, and she feels the way, then none of us will put our ego out there and we're able to, 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 to you know, uh, to, to, to make it. And, we'll be, and then we'll be able to apply the blood, so to speak, to the doorway, meaning that our mysterious neighbors will, re, will, will be rewarded with a gula. That's like a little speech if you're not a fluff that up. So the pulpit rabbis out there, you know, there is some material for your next uh, Shabbos Agodol speech. Lukakta Maguda Sezov. But the the image of the Azov is, is, is uh, you know, a very striking one. Um, I always like when the guy said in the Gemara, what is it? In, in shall have azubikir. I won't go into that. So anyway, that's uh, food for thought on, on Parsha Mitzvah. I'm already way over by usual time, I want to thank uh, Michelle Mapstein once again for being kind enough to sponsor this. We really appreciate it. And um, hope everybody has a good Shabbos Agoro. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.com support.rabbidavidkatz.com